Glow My God is brought to you by Afterglow ATX, a digital music publication in Austin, Texas. Read the entirety of our content at afterglowatx.com and follow us on all social media at Afterglow ATX. Hi, y'all, and welcome to the second episode of Glow My God, an Afterglow ATX official podcast serving the hottest takes about what's next in your queue. I'm your host, Delaney Davis, one of the current editors-in-chief of Afterglow ATX. Unfortunately, my co-host Zoe Judilla, our other editor-in-chief, won't be able to join us as she is out sick with the post-ACL cold that everyone has right now. Fortunately for you, I'll be reading her input so you get to hear even more of my voice. Today's guest is an Afterglow staff writer, Karis Anderson. Today, we'll be talking about how women are often villainized in the music industry, especially in regard to their relationships with other male musicians, or what we like to call the Yoko Ono effect. With What's New in Music, we recount the biggest news in the music industry from the past two weeks. What are some new music announcements you guys have been most excited about? Zoe's been excited about a few key events in the music industry. Rap powerhouses No Name, Smino, and Saba have formed a new group called Ghetto Sage. They released their new debut song, Hagen Das, this past week, and fans of the trio have gone crazy. They've collaborated previously on several occasions on No Name's 2016 and 2018 albums with the songs Shadow Man and Ace. Now, as an official group, we get to see more of their complementary styles in action. But the song itself, through a true bop, though a true bop, holds a deeper meaning to its bars. With controversial lines like, I'm sucking dick because black lives matter, I scatter roses on my metaphor because the world shot Nipsey, No Name took to Twitter explaining her stance. Quote, in the song, I wanted to challenge myself to write about sex in a way that I feel is uncommon in public spaces. She later goes on to say, in this verse, I write about sadness as it relates to my partner's body being synonymous with death. I fear for the lives of all black men globally, but there's something very devastating about knowing there's nothing I can do to guarantee the safety for my partner when he goes into this world. She ends the analysis with, our society is constantly saying we're not enough, and sometimes I use sex to show slash feel like we are, to feel totally human and totally free, end quote. With such profound lyrics, there's an obvious reason as to why Afterglow voted No Name's Rune 25 as our top album of 2018. Cardi B recently appeared as a guest alongside Chance the Rapper on T.I.'s podcast voicing opinions on current American politics. The Fader reports their discussion on Trump, right-wing voters, and more. Cardi says, quote, A lot of people, a lot of Americans, they vote with feelings, and a lot of these people vote due to religion, and they vote due to race and fear. They fear that a black man or a black woman will take over this country. Some people don't give a fuck about the best ideas. They vote with feelings. While the rapper is often vocal about her belief, believes, this is surprising. This is a surprising deeper insight into her political views. Sorry, Cardi being political took me off guard. <laughs> um, and then finally from Zoe, Frank Ocean recently debuted his New York nightclub, Prep Plus, this past week. The club is named after the HIV prevention drug. According to a press release, the club is, quote, the first in a series of nights, an ongoing safe space made to bring people together and dance. Prep Plus will welcome globally celebrated DJs. Prep Plus welcomes everyone. 
The release also notes the event and is an homage to New York's 80s and 90s dance club scene and what it could have been if prep had been invented in that era. This move is in tune with Ocean's recent interview with W Magazine, stating that his new inspirations include, quote, different iterations of nightlife for music and songs, and so the things I look at now have a lot to do with those scenes. End quote. New dance hall music from Frank? Sign us up. All right, here is my musical tidbits for the week. Um, the Bayhive is not happy with Sir Elton John. He recently told British GQ that the new Lion King movie was a disappointment, and the mu- and the, quote the music in the current film did not have the same impact as the original one. End quote. He also went on to say that he quote wasn't really invited to the party. End quote or quote treated with the same level of respect. End quote as he was in the original film. Selena Gomez is back. Fans of the former Disney star's music are looking forward to her next release coming out in just a couple of days. On social media, Gomez teased a track called Lose You to Love Me, which will will be released on October 23rd. It seems only natural that Amazon is putting on a music festival. Yes, you heard that right. The online store Powerhouse is planning a music festival featuring the likes of Casey Musgraves, Beck, The Foo Fighters, Anderson Paak, Brandy Carlisle, and other iconic musical legends. The festival will be on December 6th and 7th in Las Vegas. Circling back to new music, Coldplay recently teased new music and a possible November album release. The band posted a video designed to look like an old photograph dated November 22, 1919, leading many fans to believe that a new album will be released on November 22nd of this year, 100 years after the date in the video. And those are our highlights for this week. And now we have Save, Skip, Repeat of the Week. Zoe would have to save Pang off of Caroline Polachek's debut solo album of the same name. It's a stunning piece of work, and she's in love with it. She would skip the new g song featuring Gunna because she heard he seemingly admits to cheating on Halsey in it with the line, quote, When I said it was her and I, that was a lie, end quote. Sleazy move in her opinion, opinion and she has no particular attachment to Halsey. Why would you put that in a song? Anyways... On repeat is Hagen Das by new supergroup Ghetto Sage, composed of rap icons No Name, Smino, and Saba, as previously mentioned. The excellence of their debut? Unparalleled. Definitely looking out for more of their collaborative efforts. As for me, Delaney, I would save Dead of Night from Orville Peck's debut album Pony, skip the upcoming Selena Gomez project because I'm just really not a fan of her music. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. <laughs> and repeat anything by Bonnie Vare because they are the perfect soundtrack to fall. Speaking of ponies, I would also save that Orville Peck song, but I went ahead with Paprika Pony from Kim Gordon's solo debut No Home Record. Whereas I would skip Liz Fair's new single Good Side, even though I hope it grows on me, love Liz Fair, and repeat Skin Game from Dive's new album Deceiver. All right, that's our skip, save, repeat of the week, y'all. Now we are on to the meat of our podcast, which centers on this week's hot take. 
Each episode, we will have a special guest that has pitched to us their hot take of the week, and we will have selected their idea to be featured in this episode. Today's guest is Afterglow staff writer Karis Anderson, who describes her music taste as, quote, indie women plus three men, end quote, and her job title as founder of the Courtney Love Defense Squad. So, Karis, what are we talking about today? Well, in a nutshell, my hot take of the day is that Courtney Love isn't actually crazy. People just hate women, <laughs> which I'll explain that further in a moment. Awesome. Yeah, I know Courtney Love, like, there. okay, there was a girl in my high school who was, like, a big Nirvana fan, specifically a big Kurt Cobain, Cobain fan. And on Twitter, in high school, mind you, she would, like, tweet periodically about, like, how she'd be like, Courtney Love killed Kurt Cobain. So I'm assuming that has something to play here. Totally. I feel like that's like a Nirvana fan rite of passage to worship Kurt Cobain and hate Courtney Love. That's what happened to me. And then, like, (laughs) as I matured, I was like, actually, she's totally valid. Like, she's an equally talented musician, and people just hate her. Do people really think that, like, she led Kurt Cobain to suicide? Yes. Either they think that, like, they just weren't a good couple and she kind of, like, helped deteriorate his mental health or they actually believe she murdered him, which is a conspiracy theory, which isn't fair because if you know Kurt Cobain, you know that he had already struggled with addiction and there were a couple of times where he actually overdosed and she was there and saved him. Like, she had, like, the um, the drugs that you use to, like, counteract yeah. an overdose. So my thinking is if she actually wanted him dead, she wouldn't have saved him from overdosing. But that is definitely a conspiracy theory that she had him murdered. Yeah, let's let's delve right into <laughs> it. We've already gotten a little bit in there. Yeah, well, besides the aspect of kind of blaming women for men's problems, which I will get into later, there's also just the idea that Courtney Love was just like Kurt Cobain's wife and nothing else. Uh, part of that stems from her behavior after his death. She was definitely in the headlines then for acting erratically, to say the least. And uh, I just feel like there's a sexist uh, ideology that's kind of allowing that thinking to happen. Uh, Courtney Love was a rock star, is a rock star, just like her husband. Like many rock stars, she was taking drugs and had problems. But while many rock stars were kind of seen as cool for being on drugs or like their behavior was excused if they were acting erratically, she has been consistently torn down for that. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think you're right on, like, on the money, like... I just feel like because she was a woman, she was singled out for these rock star behaviors, drinking, doing drugs, acting erratically when like, you know, I'm thinking of the Joe Walsh song where he sings about, um, what's the name of that song? Um, I'm looking it up right now. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) y'all. I'm making a point. (laughs) Life's Been Good by Joe Walsh. He literally, like, sings about trashing a hotel room and getting really drunk and really, like, high. And for him, it was celebrated. It was able, he was able to write a song about it, a hit record off of that. But she can even do that, and she just existed as a rock star, and she was universally shamed and blamed for that. And I think that's a really good point. Exactly. I didn't know that song, but I think a lot of Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones, he's been on so many drugs for decades, and he's kind of seen as a survivor for making it through, whereas she has gone through periods where she goes through recovery and she's clean, 
and then like maybe she has a, a setback and she relapses and then that's immediately like the center focus. And then whenever she gets older, and this is common with a lot of like rock stars or just actresses in the industry, she's labeled as being like torn up For or sure. like, and and like you said, Keith Richards is like looked as like a survivor of addiction and she's not, even though she went through the same thing. For sure. Yeah, and also part of my Courtney Love Defense Squad is really just trying <laughs> to bring that attention back to her as a musician rather than a wife. Um, her band Hole was famous at the same time as Nirvana, and one of the other aspects of like the hatred towards her comes with, so they released an album called Live Through This in 1994, and it was actually released a week after they had found Kurt Cobain's body. So that totally kind of like sidetracked what the uh, release should have been, and obviously that affected uh, the promotion and the sales and everything like that. But one of the conspiracy theories is also that Kurt Cobain basically wrote that album because it was so good. It was oh like in gosh. all of those end of the year lists. It was very critically acclaimed, and it was a departure for Hole. It was more melodic and had more like pop songs on it. And so they believe that she couldn't have written that because she was married to the man that kind of like made public, made famous that kind of pop rock mesh. So there's not even there's a belief that she didn't even write that song, write that album. Which is this blaringly sexist totally. and misogynistic because it's basically implying a woman couldn't write anything that was critically acclaimed or popular or universally celebrated and it had to be a man. For sure. So surprise guys, I'm actually just here to promote Live Through this High Hole, <laughs> stream it on Spotify. Do you think do you think it would have happened if it wasn't Kurt Cobain that she was married to? Um, yes, and I have more proof of this. So uh, <laughs> their next album came out four years later. It's called Celebrity Skin. Mm -hmm. And Courtney Love was also romantically linked to Billy Corgan, who's in the Smashing Pumpkins. And that's also one of those really big 90s bands yeah. that considered like the two big songwriters of the 90s. And Billy Corgan actually did help them write a couple songs on Celebrity Skin. He's credited as a uh, co-writer, I think, on five songs. So every time you mention that album, which is even more poppy and more melodic, it's like, oh, Billy Corgan wrote that. So okay. there's even that. So it's not just the hype surrounding Kurt Cobain and the fact that he died tragically. It's just that in every situation when she's romantically linked to someone, it's that he had to write it. Wow. I didn't even know that. That's yeah. horrible. I mean, I do think it helps that, like, someone that becomes, like, the 27 Club figure yeah, does kind of sure. add to that. But it's a consistent thing in the music industry. I always think of how this happened to Yoko Ono as well, the Yoko effect that we were talking about earlier. Uh, Yoko was has for however many decades that the Beatles have been broken up and blamed for their breakup because John Lennon was kind of, I mean, he was over being in the band. I think it was actually Paul McCartney that was like, I'm done with this, and he broke them up. But because John wanted to be with Yoko and they had that really controversial relationship, people blame her for like ending the greatest band as well. And that just seems blatantly problematic to me because you know if if a woman is the sole reason for a band breaking up that band probably wasn't that strong and glued together as like people think they were and the fact that even like years have gone by since decades have gone by since the Beatles broke up the fact that she's still getting blamed for it is just ridiculous and it and it really like I think it just stems from, like, a wider issue, a wider social issue of, like, men not being held accountable for their shortcomings and not being, I don't even know if it's not even them owning up to it, like, definitely, but also, like, societally, like, we don't ascribe, ascribe like, 
mistakes and issues to men, we ascribe it to the women in their lives when in reality, it probably was just that the Beatles were not feeling it and they were not cohesive and they were not working well together at that time. But because Yoko Ono was in the picture, she became a really easy scapegoat. Totally. I totally agree. I think that's been the case with pretty much all of these men where they have their own issues and they're seen as tortured geniuses in the case of like Kurt Cobain. And then even jumping ahead, I saw this happen again when Mac Miller died last exactly. year. And then Ariana Grande was blamed for that because they had recently broken up. And there was the idea that because she had left him when he was clearly struggling, that it was her fault that he kind of like went further into the abyss. Exactly. And it, it again, it touches to like a wider societal issue that like women are, one, blamed for men's issues. But in addition to being blamed for men's issues, they're expected to fix their issues when like Ariana Grande, no matter how much she must have loved Mac Miller, she's not a therapist. She was not, uh, he had addiction problems, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was not an addiction specialist, was not certified to treat any of that stuff. And the fact that she was simultaneously blamed for his issues and then expected to fix them kind of demonstrates that kind of like dichotomy and that kind of contradiction that women, and I think this probably, you can probably speak to more, Courtney Cobain, Courtney Love, sorry, I called her Courtney Cobain. (laughs) Courtney Love was expected on one hand to really fix Kurt Cobain and fix all of his mental health issues, but whenever he had issues and, you know, he took his own life, um, it was her fault. Totally. You're totally pointing out the irony and kind of the hypocrisy in this whole thing where it's like, how can a woman simultaneously be seen as like this powerful like problem in a man's life able to either break up a band or end a man's life however in however way but at the same time not be considered like an independent musician in terms of like Courtney maybe even Ariana or Yoko so there's really not logic there there's not logic in sexism but it still (laughs) it still prevails exactly and I think because Ariana was already going through going back to Ariana and no matter what you think about Ariana, I know there's been a lot of talk about her being problematic in terms of, like, queer baiting or race baiting and things like that, and I think those conversations are definitely valid. The fact that people were willing to blame her for this, um, and I think it happened, like, whenever her relationship with Pete Davidson was starting to fall apart, like, I think they broke up shortly after Mac Miller died, and also she was dealing, I think this was, like, shortly after or like a year or two after the Manchester incident Mm -hmm. and so she was already dealing with a lot emotionally and the fact that people were still willing to blame her and I think she had to end up didn't she have to end up turning off her Instagram comments because yeah she did because people people were jumping on them Yeah. yeah and which always tends to happen when these things go awry but the fact that people were willing to do that Whenever she was already going through a really public breakup in a really high-profile relationship, um, had just lost an ex that she still loved and cared for despite breaking up with him, and was going through, you know, being at a concert where many of her fans were killed. Like, the fact that people were able to still blame her for Mac Miller's own problems um, just speaks to how, like, blatant and rampant that sexism can be, especially when it comes to women who are not only successful musicians themselves, but are romantically linked to successful musicians. You bring up a really good point when you bring up Ariana, because 
it seems like people are incapable of maybe acknowledging things that are problematic about a person, and there's definitely a time and place for all of that, even the other woman that we've discussed. But rather than focusing on that, I'd rather just stick to the like safe way of criticizing a woman, which is going back to romantic things that she's actually not responsible for. Yeah, for sure, because I think we definitely do need to have a conversation about Ariana and the race baiting, especially the spray tanning and some of the other controversial things you've done. But I, I like that point that you made because I think it's either like they don't want to criticize someone for issues of race because they're uncomfortable talking about race. So they're like, oh, the easiest way to criticize her is because she's a woman. And I'm going to go away from the hard-hitting commentary and just, you know, attack her on Instagram because, you know, I think she's the cause of Mac Miller's death, which is ridiculous because really the cause of Mac Miller's death was his own addiction, which, of course, is its own issue. And addiction is a mental illness and addiction is a horrible, horrible disease that I don't think anyone really should be blamed for. But, again, that includes Ariana because she... Was like I believe he had addiction issues before they started dating. I think so. So it's kind of ridiculous that she's being blamed in that aspect as well. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing because when it goes back to like men that struggle with problems when they are kind of held up as either like torture geniuses or they have problems and it's excused, it shouldn't be romanticized. That's not what I'm saying. That is an issue that should be tackled separately. It's just that the double standard that applies when two people have the same issue or when the woman is involved doesn't really hold up and I also think that um there is the issue of romanticizing it because I think especially when people talk about Yoko Ono they're like oh my gosh like she was such like a powerful woman like she broke up the Beatles and blah 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 and it was like have you heard that before I've never heard that I've I've heard a little bit like oh my gosh like they all loved her so much that she broke up the Beatles blah 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 and I'm just like you know, I don't think that's what Yoko Ono would think, mm-hmm. like, granted all the hate that she got. Um, and I think also people romanticize Ariana's relationship and being in a relationship with someone who's a tortured soul, and it's probably even more apparent with Courtney Love and, like, um, Kurt. Like, you know, as much as Kurt was a tortured genius, he was still tortured, and he still was dealing with addiction, which is a horrible— well, he was, was he dealing with addiction? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, he was dealing with addiction, Mac Miller was dealing with addiction, and as much as they might have been a cute couple, that's such a hard thing for the person in the relationship to have to deal with because it's really hard to see your partner struggle with, you know, mental illness, addiction, whatever it might be. And so the fact that, again, I think it just skip, like goes back to the hypocrisy that we were talking about. Women simultaneously expected to take care of the men, which, again, is very romanticized and very toxic because that takes a huge toll on, like, a woman's life, but then also expected to uh, fix it, and then if they don't, they get blamed for it. Yeah, and going back to Kurt and Courtney, they both were struggling with addiction when they were together, so there's this idea that Courtney somehow was, like, the reason that his addiction got worse when I think, in fact, she was actually the one. Well, towards the end of his life, she was trying to get clean, and she actually had an intervention on him, which if you've seen her interview, she actually talks about how she kind of regrets that, which goes into its own thing. But looking back, or looking forward, I should say, Kurt succumbing to his problems versus Courtney keeping her problems for quite a while after the fact, but then going through and working through them, she's not held up as a survivor, like I was mentioning earlier. So he ended up passing away and not making it through. 
And she struggled, but she was never, like, seen as getting through the other side, which should be celebrated. Yeah, for sure. And it's not even to say that, you know, Kurt is less noble for succumbing to it, but, you know, getting through addiction, especially, like, in the 90s when the time where, like, everyone was kind of addicted to drugs, there was, like, really bad issues with drugs back then. And the fact that she's never, like, like, even now, like, I don't even think, like, I can't remember the last time I've heard Courtney Love mentioned in the media. Or yeah. Courtney Love, does she still make music? Um, not really. She had a good, she goes through periods where she'll make it through and, like, she's turned, she's acted before. She's been in, she's been nominated for, I think, a Golden Globe before. So oh, she wow. goes through phases. But, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I don't remember ever, like, my first experience with her was not her as a musician or her as like a talented or actress or anything like that it was actually seeing her on one of those tv specials where it's like embarrassing celebrity moments so her reputation has definitely been damaged through all of this yeah because i don't think i've ever really heard like i definitely know like hole and celebrity skin and things like that but even now like we're still talking about kirk cobain and granted that might be because of the impact of nirvana and especially the tragedy of his mm-hmm. death and the situation surrounding that. But the fact that, you know, she released one of the, like you said, most critically acclaimed albums of the decade, and she's still not being talked about, despite being a fabulously talented musician, I think, again, speaks to the damage that, um, you know, that blaming and that the Yoko Ono effect had on her. For sure. I'm hoping that with history that there's a redemption arc for a lot of these women. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure how big it has been on Ariana just because I think she's kind of, I don't know if she's more famous than Mac Miller, but yeah, I, I feel it less with her, but definitely with Yoko Ono. Um, I just feel like she's been really trash considering how much like people love the Beatles. Um but definitely with, like, Courtney, I think it's really sad. Granted, she was one of the most talented and influential people of that era, and, like, no one really talks about her anymore, unless it's talking about, oh, she killed Kurt Cobain, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I still can't believe people think she actually murdered him. Yeah, there's, like, a whole—there's been documentaries about it. And oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and she's—I mean, she's been mostly silent on it because, like, what can she say, obviously, but— that's definitely, I think it's a Nirvana fan rite of passage to realize. And I mean, Kurt Cobain himself was a huge feminist. So he loved her music and loved her poetry and literally wrote in the liner notes of one of their albums, like, if you uh, if you hate people of color or gay people or women, like, don't come to our shows, oh, don't yeah, buy our records. Yeah. So he wouldn't even agree. Like, he was already troubled when he was alive that he had fans that were these conservative macho fans that hated his wife. So it is very, like... It doesn't make sense that there are people that worship him and not realize that he wouldn't agree. Yeah, that seems kind of, because you'd think, like, if you're a super fan of someone, you'd, like, really follow their beliefs and really follow their dogma and whatever they have to say, especially after their death. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they still trash Courtney Love, even though he's very, like, very big feminist and, like, was very woke, um, (laughs) (laughs) in the lack of a better word, and the fact that they still trash her, I think, really speaks to how... I guess, like, how rampant and, like, how committed they are to that sexist belief against Courtney Love. And maybe, and maybe it's just because they want to feel better about the fact that he died. And Maybe, yeah. And maybe because suicide is something really hard for mm-hmm. people to grapple with. 
and people want a reason more than just someone was really struggling with something. And I think it, people always want to blame someone. Yeah. But it's still ridiculous to me considering that he was so ardently against misogyny and sexism and people still treat his wife in a horrible way, like decades after he's been gone. Even more recently, uh, Chris Cornell, who was the frontman for Soundgarden, which was also a band from the 90s, he actually uh, died of suicide a couple of years ago. And the response, there were actually some fans that were blaming his wife as well. And maybe not like outright accusing her of murder, but just the response to her after the fact, because she went on the record about addiction a lot after the fact to try to advocate for addiction programs and stuff. And they accused her of kind of using his death as like a way to get like attention. So there's that too. But I will say that I do wonder if maybe the advent of social media and the internet has kind of made it a little bit better. Because I'm thinking about how Ariana hasn't really had that extended fallout. And I'm thinking about maybe how social media, at least for me, has opened me up to so many more progressive views because you're able to see more people's opinions. And I'm wondering if maybe today's generation is maybe a little bit better at realizing when they're being problematic or opening up to other perspectives. Yeah, I think it's kind of a mix because I think, like, all the anti-Ariana stuff after Mac Miller died, I saw through social media. That's true. Um, but then I also, but then I also saw a lot of, like, counter-arguments or responses to people who are saying that through Twitter, and so I think it's definitely a mixed bag. It'd be interesting, I wonder what it would have been like if we had you know, the type of social media and the extent that we have social media now back when Kurt Cobain died. And I wondered if it would have been, and I think it probably would have been worse considering that I think now, I'm not saying sexism is dead. (laughs) It's definitely not. It's definitely runs rampant still. But I wonder if, um, because I think now, like you said, our generation is a little bit more aware of, um, social issues and especially when other people are being problematic and I don't think it was like that especially back in the 90s and I wonder if it would have been way worse which is kind of scary considering how bad it was even without social media that it could be even worse than it already was. That's an interesting point because it does it gives everyone a platform so regardless of where you lie on the spectrum I guess because I was thinking it gives you a spectrum or it gives excuse me it gives people a platform to show maybe more progressive views but then it would also give people that already had those sexist views a platform as well so mixed I mean, bag yeah it definitely is um what do you think like i'm just trying to think like what do you think it'll take for the reputations of these women uh courtney love especially court uh yoko ono especially ariana's a little bit different since it is pretty recent our generation is more familiar but what do you think it'll take for I guess the tide to turn and for people to kind of rid themselves of their sexist views um, especially the younger or the older generation because it's a little bit more difficult I think our generation is a little bit more flexible in our beliefs but what do you think it'll take for um, the older generation to kind of change their thinking on Courtney Love and Yoko and how women in power are viewed when they have equally famous uh, romantic male partners. I think talking about it like we are is really important because I wanted to say time because I do think it's gotten a little bit better for those women, but it's only gotten better because people have talked about it. And especially if you already, if you grow up in that era and you have that reputation and it's not talked about, then you kind of get written out of history, which I've seen Courtney even say a little bit about herself. But I've seen recently like, Rolling Stone loves to, like, remember the 90s and stuff like that. 
And I think they put Live Through This at, like, number four on a recent list of, like, best albums of the 90s. So she does get a little bit more attention or at least recognition for her work now. But that's because, I mean, someone, a journalist with a platform was talking about it. So I think that's important because then people who maybe read that stuff or listen to that stuff who were alive then, they get a refresher and they think about stuff in a new way. Or for me, if you're young, you get reminded or you get taught about those people in history. Do you think it's important to talk about Courtney Love as a musician, as the front front woman of whole, um, rather than just, you know, the issues with her reputation or the fact that she was married to Kurt Cobain and everyone hates her now, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely, especially because Hole's music is very feminist in itself. Live Through This, I think, is one of the best feminist statements ever, arguably. There are so many songs, like, there's a song asking for it about rape culture. She talks about how when she would crowd surf, people would rip off her clothes and molest her and stuff like that. She has other songs that are more just about, like, femininity and how she views herself and stuff like that. And then Celebrity Skin is a little bit of a response to the reaction to her after his death, but not really. But regardless, her lyrics are sublime. Even Kurt Cobain, I think, said in Spin, like, the world would change if she could get people to, if she would publish her poetry, stuff like that. So I think the music speaks for itself. And it is important to kind of contextualize her history and her connection to him, because that does help us, like, think about it in new ways. But she should definitely be seen as a musician first, I think. For sure. I'm trying to think of other comments. I just think it's so wild that, like, she is one of the most influential women of the 90s, but we just don't talk about her and And you can see her influence in music today I think soccer mommy posted like her pre-show uh playlist that she plays on the speakers and there's definitely a whole song in there so people like musicians that have their ear to the ground know of her impact but not everyone else does which is sad considering that even you know that the man that they're willing to drag her through the mud for Kurt Cobain is willing to say, like, her wor- the world would spin if she released her poetry. And, again, I think it just goes back to the point that you made that he obviously loved her very much and was very vocal about his love for her and was also vocal about the fact that he didn't like misogyny, he didn't like sexism. And yet his fans, like, still... And was it mostly male fans that you see doing this, or were there also, like, women jumping in? Because the situation that I mentioned before with the girl in high school, it was a girl. Like, it was a girl attacking another girl, and I don't know if that was internalized misogyny or or what. Yeah, I think it was internalized misogyny. I think think I've seen interviews with Courtney where, like, at the time, I think maybe a few months after his death, where she would talk about how women would come up to her and be like, you're so lucky you have everything. Or maybe went during their marriage, like you married like the number one rock star, stuff like that. So people were either envious or they were outright jealous. And there's, I've seen, there's a, there was a documentary on Kurt Cobain a few years ago, and it has home footage of the two of them together. And there's a video where Courtney Love is like reading a fan mail sent to Kurt. And the, I think it's a woman that sent it and she's like calling her Courtney hag or something like that. Oh talking God. about how like, she's ruining Kurt's life and Kurt needs to stay away from her and stuff like that. So it's definitely, it's internalized as well. For the things <laughs> for, uh, like, like I don't I don't think it's, like, wrong to be jealous of a celebrity in some mm-hmm. ways. Like, oh, my God, they're so talented. I wish I could be as talented as that. But to be jealous of her simply because she's married to someone just seems absolutely ridiculous to me. Yeah, it was crazy to me to realize that people hated her before he even died just out of jealousy. 
because there was that idea that they weren't good together or I guess just that they wanted Kurt. I always figured it was solely after he died that they started to hate her, but it was apparently before as well. That's crazy. Well, thinking of wanting to turn the tides and make people fall back in love with Courtney Love as a musician (laughs) and not as Kurt Cobain's wife and the alleged murderer of Kurt Cobain... What are your favorite whole songs, Courtney Love songs, whole albums, etc.? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I love spreading the gospel. Um, I would definitely go to live through this first. Uh, Miss World is a classic. Um, I Think That I Would Die is a really guttural, emotional classic if you're into the rock stuff. If you're into the pop stuff, Celebrity Skin is iconic. Uh, Malibu, that's my number one from Celebrity Skin. So those are three. Miss World, I Think That I Would Die in Malibu. But listen to the three whole records from the 90s. They're all great, and you will enjoy them, I promise. All right. With those recommendations, we're going to wrap it up. But thanks so much for sitting down with us and sharing your hot take this week. Tune in to our next episode, which will feature a brand-new hot take about what's up next in your queue. Glow My God is a bi-weekly podcast by Afterglow ATX. Follow us on social media at Afterglow ATX for more updates, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye, y'all.